Hello, my name is Christopher Kakuyo-sensei, and I am the practice leader of the Salt Lake Buddhist Fellowship. Our fellowship is made up of folks from all walks of American life. We are an American Buddhist Sangha. Our fellowship is lay-led, all-inclusive, non-discriminating, and transsectarian Sangha, influenced by the Pure Land Buddhist tradition and the teachings of Gyome and Koyo Kabose. Our organization focuses on the universal teachings of Gautama Buddha, the historical Buddha, and the mythic Buddha, Amida. Our approach follows the teachings of the Way of Oneness, a unique form of American Buddhism developed by Venerable Reverend Gyome Kabose, based on Shin Buddhist tenets. What you are about to hear are some Dharma talks from our local fellowship gatherings. Enjoy the Dharma talk. So today's Dharma talk is about following your own authentic way. And I do, again, want to start the Dharma talk that you are all here together in community, sharing your practice, sharing your desire and willingness to be here in community, which means open, vulnerable, and committed. So today's Dharma talk is about authenticity. Years and years ago, I was walking with my father, who I have an interesting relationship with, as many of us do. And I think at the time I was in one of my rock and roll phases, and I had a cool little goatee, just a goatee. I just started getting tattoos. I was wearing all black. I had my cabbie hat on. My dad goes, son, what do you want out of life? He, he didn't get it. He said, I want to be authentic. I want to be my authentic self. He goes, what does that mean? I go, I don't know. <laughs> I'm figuring it out. But it, it, the, the whole idea was confusing to him. What does that even mean? And I have to admit, at that time, I, it was more of a feeling, a sense. My life had been a little performative at that time. Performative for other people, for other things, but not myself. I didn't even know who my authentic self was. And it began a process of self-exploration. That is our karmic inheritance. Choose it, we are born into it. I buy, therefore I am. I mean, isn't that true? I know it is for me sometimes. (laughs) I literally have to watch myself. I have my wife, I have too many coats. How many coats can a man wear? But when they're only $8 and they're cool, I need to take my coats down to uh, one of our unhoused communities and give out coats. I don't need that many coats. That is my consumer self. That's something I struggle with. So much of our identities are wrapped in our consumptions, our possessions, these externalities that are not us, these belongings that become a part of us, our possessions, both material, philosophical, and narrative, become so much a part of us that as Kenro Kanematsu has written, by their very nature, they stick to us as second skin. And when we try to remove them, we bleed when we detach them. 
Facebook and other forms of social media are less problematic because of the time we spend on them and more problematic because they encourage a subtle and demand a subtle insipid inauthenticity. Facebook and social media are more problematic because they encourage inauthenticity. A social media curated life is not a life. It's an illusion. It is misdirection, a house of mirrors, and a new field of suffering. So today, our talk is to call on all of us to aspire for life itself, unless the imitation to encourage all of us to follow our own individual paths of discovery. <laughs> I want to share some of the teachings of Haya Akagarasin. Um, so here's some of his words. The words of Haya Akagarasin, quote, Life is always being itself, living in the eternal now. I praise the past life that it holds and follow the future life in it. So my life moves from decision to decision, from deepest truth to deepest truth, always obeying the changes of time. I concentrate my power on living life. End quote. I, I like that. Life is always being itself in that he concentrates his power at living life. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? What do you think he's trying to say? How many of us would say that we're concentrating our power on living life? I mean, really living life. What are we spending all our time doing and all our power? Avoiding things. Weaving our little stories. How about policing other people because they're not following our script? <laughs> Excuse me, that's not how you're supposed to be. We spend all our time on the stories of what life is supposed to be. We talked about this last Sunday about arguing with reality. We spend all our time arguing with reality that we're missing the life that's in front of us. I mean, most of us know when we're depressed, when we're sad, when our heart is broken. We don't notice the, the way the clouds are against the mountains. Or we don't notice that first flower that sneaks up through a crack somewhere in spring when the snow is still out. And there used to be one right up there in that corner. And I'm so sad they fixed it. But how many of us are living life, concentrating our energy at living life? We get so hung up in all these externalities, all these things. So what is this living that Reverend Akagaras, who is talking about, I think he's talking about the most fundamental truth, the most basic truth, closest to the bone, stripped of ideas, attachments, possessions, and stories, understanding and touching existence as it is, the source of our breath. Every time we breathe, we touch the ineffable. Every time you breathe, there's this magic of life. Every breath you take is life acting through you. 
There's life. Oh, there it is again. Again, life. Breathing in, I am aware that I am breathing in. Breathing out, I am aware that I am breathing out. To really live life, we can touch this simple reality with deep awareness. All the stuff that is underneath our stories, our religions, our ideas, our philosophies, and our expectations. I appreciate this so much. At the time Hayakagarasu began teaching, he was a revolutionary teacher. He was looking for a way to take the teachings of the Buddha into people's everyday lives. In Japan, it was a lot of formality and there was a lot of hierarchy. In Jodo Shin, it's a lot more everyday people, but even there, there was. And he wanted something different. He wanted his language to be different, more direct, less dogmatic, more personal. And I love when he goes on to write in his book, Shout of Buddha, quote, Beside my own living, I don't need religion, philosophy, and morality. Religion, philosophy, morality, and art, and politics are not in the world of my living. Besides my living, besides my being alive, there is no God or Buddha. When I die, God and Buddha will also die. Look at me. End quote. <laughs> who is this? Who is this guy? A Buddhist minister saying, I don't need Buddha? It seems rather heretical. He goes, When I die, God and Buddha die. What, what is the point in these lines? What is he saying? I think what he's saying is that the realization of being alive in the flow of now is more important than the ideas of being alive. So much of what we do is about the ideas of being alive and how it's supposed to be and how we're supposed to be. Life is more elemental than that. Life is process. To live is a verb. It is the state of simply being. You realize how amazing each one of us is? The fact that you exist is a miracle. I mean, all these big fancy telescopes looking out, well, we might see a planet that has people on it. It's only 4 billion light years away. But look who's next to you. We're spending billions of dollars to find life out there. But what's all around us? We're not doing very good taking care of that life. I hope we don't find a place that we can go colonize. So we'll screw that one up too. So he goes on. All life is the state of interbeing, as we learned from Thich Nhat Hanh. Everything is interdependent. That is one of the most important lessons we learned from the Buddha is dependent co-arising, that everything is connected. Hayag Akagarasu goes on to write, quote, 
The sun brightens my living. The moon shines for my living. The stars twinkle for my living. Rain, snow, hail, sleet are for my living. The stars twinkle for my living. Rain, snow, hail, sleet are for my living. Grass is for my living. Trees, birds, animals are for my living. My life is the life of the whole world. Because of my living, all beings are living. To say that I am alive is to say that all beings are alive. That is the same living. End quote. So when you first hear those things or read them, it sounds a little narcissistic. It's my living. Those are my trees. That's my grass. Get off my grass. It's my grass. But is he really saying that? We know from his life that he demonstrated selflessness his whole life. He dedicated his life to others. So here's one thing also to note. In the writings of Haya Akagarasu, you find this sense of loneliness. He writes about it from time to time. He, in a young age, went blind, and I'm sure that created that sense of isolation. Isolation, loneliness can create a deep feeling of being cut off from life. We've all felt that, haven't we? In those dark times when we feel so disconnected, we feel so out of touch with ourselves and others. In anybody who suffers from depression or grief or loss, which is all of humanity, we know this feeling of isolation we become less aware of our connections. What I think Reverend Hayakagarsu is saying in these lines is he's writing about uh, an affirmation of life and intimacy. He is speaking not of my possession, but the realization that everything is interconnected. Everything is intimate. I have found a similar sentiment in the poet Rilke, where he writes, quote, yes, the springs needed you. Many a star was waiting for your eyes only. End quote. Living the Dharma of selflessness is not a sacrificial offering of your unrepeatable life. Of you in the midst of life. It is the unencumbering of all the things that keep you from living the very life you've been given. One of the meanings of the word nirvana, which so often in English is translated as extinction, is unbinding. To me, that makes so much more sense. Nirvana for us is the unbinding of those things that keep us from living our unrepeatable life. Our walk with the Dharma is the unbinding of all that ties us down to what is really important. Your life is important in its miraculousness. Shinran Shonen hints at this when he says that the mythic Amida Buddha 
did all that he did for Shinron alone. Well, what about the rest of us? What is he saying? Again, it sounds a little arrogant, but if you look deeper, Shinron and Akagarasu are pointing to the intimacy of life and the importance of each and every single life. When Shinron says that about the mythic Amida Buddha, we can say Amida did it for Christopher alone, Gretchen alone, Kimi alone. For all of us, the mythic Amida Buddha loves each of us alone. And yet every one of us in that same intimacy. Guillaume Kibose sensei, the student of Haya Akagarathu and one of my mentors, teaches us there is no I apart from others. There is no I also apart from sun, moon, stars, rain, sleet, grass, trees, birds. We are all sharing this same life. We are fellow travelers. We are fellow travelers with birds and worms and snakes and flowers. This living is something that courses through all of us. That's so much more than the story of us, so much more than the presentation of us. Again, from Haya Akagarasu, quote, my life is not the product of my knowledge, experience, feelings, inductions, but it is myself. It is the never closed way of the spontaneous isness itself, whose life moves from the life of heaven and earth. It is what we call Buddha or Dharma nature, end quote. So our life is not our stories. Our life is not even our history. It does bring us to a point. But it is not what we are. It is not what you are. You are more than your past. You are more than your story. You are this experiencing of this unrepeatable life. We stifle life from flowing through us by our constructions, expectations, passivities, and misperceptions. In these words, we see a hint of authentic life that Haya Akagarasu lived, not a life of artificiality, but one connected to life itself, to life as a verb and not as an egocentric noun an aspiration to isness, to being. So now I want to share an even more plain and straightforward language of the teachings of his student, Reverend Gyome Kabose Sensei. He's talking about the teachings of Nansen, who was a Zen master, who was once asked by his student, what is Buddhism? And I'm sure as you explore Buddhism, or you become a Buddhist. So he goes, well, what is this Buddhism? And we all have all kinds of stories from, well, it's a philosophy. It's a way of life. It's meditation. There is no such thing as a Buddhism. There's only Buddhisms. 
Okay, there's only Buddhisms. There's many Buddhisms. But the master was asked, what is Buddhism? And he tells his student everyday life. It's everyday life. Our living and our practice are the same. It's not separate. Every day, our living is our practice. Our actually living is our practice. Not the story we have of living. It's our practice. Here's what Guillaume Kabose sensei writes about Master Nansen's response. Quote, what is this path? What kind of path do you walk? We make many pretensions and we represent things as we want them to be. We do not see things as they are. We do not understand life as it is. Buddhism is the most natural way of life with every little thing we do being the way. End quote. I think the most important lesson we can learn is the fact that everything is practice. Everything is the Buddha way. If we allow it, if we open our eyes and ears and our hearts. I said earlier that all beings are living an absolutely unique and unrepeatable life. The life you know and experience is your own. When you die, the world dies with you. Because the life you've experienced, the life that you know, is only your life. No one will never know exactly how you see the world or feel the world or hear the world or interact with it. So in the Buddhist teaching, it says the world is born and dies every minute. And that's because... We're dying, and someone's being born every minute. And that life that they see, their unrepeatable life, will be a universe in itself, as is yours. The uniqueness of each of our paths is part of living our authentic life. It is your path. It's not mine. It's not your, your families. It's not your communities. Your life is your life. Your path is your path. It cannot be any other way. Our lives are not what others expect of us or have told us it is. It's ours to discover. Again, from Guillaume Cabose Sensei, quote, without pretension or artificiality. <laughs> each path is uniquely individual's own. Each way is different. And yet there is the great way that everyone walks and it is the same path, but different to each individual. It can be difficult to understand that the universal way is one own way. You live your own life, and there is no pre-established pattern. Sorry, guys, no formula checklist. 
yet your own unique pattern forms in your living the same way the universe forms. This is life's path. It is a flower blooming, the wind blowing. You live, I live. End quote. I also appreciate this from Thomas Merton, a Catholic monastic and wonderful teacher. He says, quote, how do you expect to arrive at the end of your journey if you take the road to another man's city? End quote. Your path, my path, it is personal. It is intimate. It is not for me or our community to tell you what your path is. The role of the fellowship of the Sangha is to support you and encourage you in following your own path in our practice, in our daily lives. It is the respecting the uniqueness and the creativity of our individual explorations, aspirations, and practice, which are held in the field of the universal. Guillaume Cabose goes on to say, there is creativity in life. Imitation has no value. Art must be unique and original. Buddha's life expressed in poetic forms each moment in life, in a poem of life itself. When each action is an expression of life itself, there is great beauty, fulfillment, and joy. This is the universal path. It is the way that Nansen pointed out when he said Buddhism is everyday life, end quote. So I'd like to close today with uh, a poem by Haya Akagara So. And I really appreciate and love his writings. And I like how he learns Dharma lessons over and over from the natural world. And my teachers have always said, the Dharma teachings are everywhere. Just look. The Dharma is being sung to you Every winter, every spring, every fall, just listen. So maybe he did. He does this because in the Pure Land Sutras, in the Pure Land, the mythic land of Nirvana, everything is teaching the Dharma, the trees, the rivers, the wind, the birds, everything is singing the Dharma. So he has this beautiful poem. And I'm going to close with it. And it's a poem about grass fields of grass not the manicured grass crap we have here just fields of grass you never catch grass making a bunch of noise grasses never reject others do not advertise themselves grasses are not afraid of others those who are afraid of others reject and attack the grasses are not like this. They are living in a full field of their own life. And so they do not need language or thoughts. Referencing their tranquility, longing for their silence, young grasses have gotten tired of my own falsehood in my own cleverness. I deeply adore you, grass, from the bottom of my heart, because I truly love myself. 
I throw away all external shells that covered me and I can't help it. I want to kiss you, grass. Namo Amida Butsu.